Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka with your host, Patrick Boyer. Thank you for joining me. I'm Patrick Boyer. Over her unprecedented long career, Queen Elizabeth set many records. The person who smelled more fresh paint was presented with more bouquets and engaged more heads of state and their millions of people than any other person on planet Earth. Her Majesty's 1959 Royal Tour of Muskoka Perry Sound contributed its share to this unique accomplishment. That year, Muskokans heard the Queen might make the first ever official visit by a reigning monarch to the district, while in Canada to officially open, with American President Eisenhower, the St. Lawrence Seaway, connecting ocean-going ships with Great Lakes Commerce. But would she really come? Quote, on several occasions during the planning stage, it appeared the Muskoka trip would be eliminated, reported Member of Parliament Gordon Nagin to district newspapers, because time available will be very short. Even after the tour was expanded to 45 days so the Queen could not only inaugurate the seaway but also visit the entire country, a Muskoka appearance remained doubtful. The time available in her itinerary, warned Aiken, is extremely short. Translation, people, don't get your hopes too high. Muskokans had good reason to doubt their prospects for a royal visit. Just two decades before, when Bracebridge was planning for a big anniversary, Mayor Ben McBride seemed delusional. He announced his hope that, quote, the king and queen would visit Bracebridge during the town's jubilee year. No reigning monarch had ever visited Canada, let alone dropped in on a small town. Still, Ambitious plans went ahead for many special events, a fireman's tournament, band tattoo, field day athletics, horse racing, picnicking, boat trips, dances, a pageant, bonfires, water sports, a great war veterans reunion, and a mass religious service. Then, on January 4, 1939, Mayor McBride's unbelievable wish came true. Prime Minister Mackenzie King announced King George VI and his wife, Queen Elizabeth, would not only make the first royal visit to Canada of a reigning monarch, they would visit Bracebridge on June 6 and cruise Lake Muskoka by steamboat in the season of the town's jubilee. At this news, ecstasy knew no bounds. 
rhapsodizing in its next issue how the royal visit, quote, will be for the district the greatest event in our history. The Muskoka Herald spoke of democratic liberty symbolized in the king. It would be an honor for Muskoka citizens to show their loyalty when the king and queen pass through our streets. And the newspaper said, coming at one of the most beautiful times of year, this Muskoka segment would be centerpiece of any royal tour. Quote, a morning spent in the quietness and beauty of the Muskoka Lakes will be very refreshing to the young royal couple after so many days of constant journey and public appearances. The pace of preparations quickened. No detail was overlooked. Bell Telephone printed its 1939 Bracebridge phone book with the Royal Coat of Arms on the cover. A dozen organizing committees addressed finance, invitations, hospitality, transportation, sports, publicity, grounds, reception, events, decorations, program, and refreshments. Through winter, the town's whirling dervishes swirled with exciting ideas for even more activities. Bracebridge sports teams, cultural organizations, churches, businesses, and countless individuals directed themselves with noble purpose. This festive focus on the royal celebration was a perfect antidote to the Great Depression's decade-long economic mire and Nazi Germany's rising warlike ire. Then, as the town's moment of destiny approached, the king and queen's visit to Muskoka was canceled. People were shocked. They felt hurt, then angry. The prime minister had promised there would be no alterations. Muskoka's mayors went to Ottawa and protested to him directly. The district's newspaper editors addressed the public at large, but nothing could reinstate the visit or diminish the affront of stinging disappointment. The regal couple would merely pass down Muskoka's west side at night as the royal train whisked up to Sudbury. Not to be denied, thousands of fervent Muskokans streamed to where they might glimpse their king or even just his train. They lined the tracks between Mactier and Bala. Mactier's 700 astonished villagers inhaled as another 8,000 people filled their community. As daylight turned to dusk, then dusk faded to black. They waited for hours in the dark. Clearly, Muskokan's monarchist sentiments remained unabated. Fostered over decades by the district's loyalist societies, they'd turned out for the mass community celebrations of Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee in 1897. The equally large all-denominational services of communal mourning upon Queen Victoria's death in 1901. The turn of the century Boer War in South Africa, the Great War in Europe a decade and a half later, Muskokans, colonials in the British Empire, 
remained fascinated by royal celebrity. That June night in 1939, hundreds glimpsed the king directly when he came out onto his coach's viewing platform at the end of the train to light up and puff his pipe during the royal train's brief stop in Mactier. While taking on Muskoka water for its steam engine, people cheered. A few words were informally shouted. Then the train continued into the night. A big meal was made from those few crumbs. After a short station break, we'll see how that canceled royal tour by her parents now set the stage for Queen Elizabeth's own royal visit to Muskoka in 1959. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Boyer's Modern History of Muskoka, with your host, Patrick Boyer. Welcome back. I'm Patrick Boyer. Before the break, we saw how Muskokans reacted to cancellation of King George's 1939 royal tour. 20 years later, to prepare his bruised constituents against another disappointment, Member of Parliament Gordon Aiken played down Queen Elizabeth's prospective tour that year of 1959. He characterized the Muskoka Perry Sound visit as, quote, really a side trip. Hearing about a possible visit, one old timer who remembered the no show in 1939 simply stated, I'll believe the Queen's coming to Muskoka when I see her here with my own eyes. Still, the official printed program confirmed that Queen Elizabeth II would make a royal visit to Muskoka on Saturday, July 4th, 1959. Queen Elizabeth's tour would, it was true, be brief. It would, as well, be late in the day. But it could be glorious. A Saturday in high summer, Muskoka, our best season. Muskokans plunged headlong into planning a local welcome. The royal visit topped the agenda for local councils. It animated organizations from Royal Canadian Legion, Boy Scouts and Girl Guides, to public schools and community bands. Muskoka's newspapers filled pages with program details, motorcade routes, and reports on plans shaping up. Toronto dailies circulating in Muskoka that June carried news and photos of the royal tour's early stages unfolding in Newfoundland and Quebec. Next, the historic seaway opening. Such reporting fueled excitement in Muskoka to fever pitch. Television was coming in, and many Muskokans even watched footage of the Queen's progress on their TV set or a neighbor's. The black and white coverage broadcast via the single channel universe of a CBC affiliate, CKVR-TV in Barrie. Now anticipation was palpable. Few skeptics remained. This 
could really happen. The plan was for Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip to disembark from the Royal Yacht Britannia at the port of Collingwood, travel to Aurelia, then enter the district on Highway 11, crossing at Severn Bridge. They would advance north to Gravenhurst for events at Gull Lake Park, then proceed to Torrance and board the Royal Train for the short run up to Perry Sound to rejoin the waiting Royal Yacht Britannia. The call went out through Muskoka's Royal Canadian Legion branches and newspaper advertisements for veterans to line the route of the Royal Motorcade. Girl guides, Boy Scouts, Brownies and Cubs began polishing and parading. Backstage jockeying determined whose daughter would present flowers to Her Majesty. Women flocked to dress, to dress and hat shops. Focal point for the Gravenhurst visit was a barge. The town's musical community, propelled by band leader, newspaper editor, and head of the Gravenhurst Music Association, Hugh Claremont, had been making good use of Gull Lake Park for Sunday evening concerts. The audience ensconced at water's edge on the sloping bank facing musicians playing immediately offshore on a barge. The concept was inspired, the stage less so. Sometimes entertainers fell off the floating platform in the course of their performance. Oops, splash, there goes the tuba player. On the admirable pretext of Her Majesty's dignity, Gravenhurst hired Ottawa architect Stanley White, who'd grown up in Gravenhurst, to design a barge with wider floor space, more facilities, and a stylish look. The sculpted new stage, still a running attraction today as music on the barge on Sunday evenings, was officially opened for this historic occasion in 1959 by Mayor Wanda Miller, surrounded by the smell of drying paint, less than an hour before the Queen and Prince Philip reached Gull Lake Park. As the regal tourists entered Muskoka, with the royal flag flying from their vehicle, Ontario Provincial Police halted traffic in both directions. Thousands of people lining the shoulders of Highway 11 waved and won a smiling wave in return. Gravenhurst was primed. Besides the barge, a new 30-foot flagpole had been erected at the town hall. Numerous buildings along the royal route stood refreshed in new paint. Bright red and yellow banners fluttered from the main street's light standards. And the railway station near the park sported a new two-tone paint job. Arriving at one of Muskoka's finest parks, the royal couple strolled into the midst of a large picnic. The atmosphere in Gull Lake Park was high gear festive. Thousands were on hand. Hundreds had brought picnic baskets and found places shaded by tall pines. The glorious Saturday afternoon heat of early summer was perfectly moderated by a light breeze off the waters of Gull Lake, where water skiers exhibited their talents for the queen. Small boats crowded with spectators wearing bathing suits and binoculars filled the bay north of the barge. 
On shore, the royals were invited by Wanda Miller to join the mayor and her daughter, Anne Louise, and walk to the viewing dais near the lake. <clears throat> they advanced through a 20-foot-wide cleared column lined by legionnaires from Huntsville, Bracebridge, and Gravenhurst, <clears throat> uniformed staff of the Ontario Fire College, and uniformed members of the Bracebridge Lions Air Cadet Squadron. Special spots in the park were reserved for scouts, guides, cubs, and brownies. But otherwise, the thousands more present crowded wherever on tiptoe they could get their best view of the queen. A dozen Bracebridge cubs and one scout got a direct personal view when a picnic table overloaded with eager spectators, themselves included, collapsed just as the royal party approached. Her Majesty, turning to see what caused the commotion, smiled right at the nearby boys. <clears throat> the district's first ever official visit by a reigning monarch on that Saturday afternoon of July 4, 1959, had attracted the largest crowd in the history of any community in Muskoka. Formally attired elected representatives and their spouses were presented with dignity to the Queen and Prince Philip on a special platform with red, white, and blue bunting and fresh paint. But otherwise, informality was the keynote in this vacation paradise. Not a speech was made in the Queen's presence all day. Her Majesty and the Duke of Edinburgh signed the Gravenhurst guest book, Elizabeth R., and simply Philip. The Barry Collegiate Band, fresh from winning an international award and conducted by Canada's renowned music personality, Dr. Leslie Bell, now assembled on Gravenhurst's splendid new barge and played Handel's Water Music, a piece first heard at London in 1717 by King George I, where it was performed on a Thames River barge. Cynthia Claremont presented the Queen with a bouquet of wildflowers collected from Muskoka woodlands and knee-deep in swamps, which captured Her Majesty's true interest. Prince Philip chatted at ease with the seven-year-old, saying he, he had a daughter about her age back in England. Why didn't you bring her with you? inquired the Gravenhurst girl. The Queen saved her husband by intervening something about differences between Canadian and English school holidays. The pleasures could have been extended, but the itinerary was tight. Quickly reaching Torrance by motorcade along Highway 69 after leaving Gravenhurst, the royal couple left their limousine at the highway and walked between columns of Union Jacks to their waiting train at the station amidst cheering and applause from the West Muskoka throng. This delightful moment inspired a renaming of the short street to Queen's Walk, although today it's seldom seen with the highway rerouted and the old station bypassed. <clears throat> In a welcoming gesture, Reeve Archie Payne's daughter, Janet, presented a bouquet to Her Majesty, <clears throat> plucking out one flower as she did so and handing it to Prince Philip who then wore it on his lapel. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Prime Minister John Diefenbaker and his wife Olive were landing at Muskoka Airport from Ottawa, greeted by Gordon and Marie Aiken and a 
group of Muskoka residents who derived from Gravener's where the crowns were slowly dispersing. The Diefenbakers then motored through Bracebridge and Port Carling to Perry Sound. At the very same time, the Royal Train pulled into Perry Sound Town, where the Royals were greeted by Mayor Agnes Wing, another female mayor in Perry Sound, Muskoka, welcoming a queen. Teresa Pegamagabo, attired in traditional Indian dress, handed Queen Elizabeth yet another bouquet. The girl attracted high interest and sustained conversation from the monarch. Francis Pegamagabo, head of Teresa's family, was not only chief of the Perry Island Band, but Canada's most decorated Aboriginal soldier of World War I. The Queen's Muskoka visit was at its end. As the sun set, Muskokans basked in an afterglow that would last a long time, while into the red western light, Queen and Canada's Prime Minister sailed aboard, aboard Britannia across the Great Lakes to Chicago. Now that sun has set forever. Mm -hmm.